Welcome to Comic-Cons, a geek podcast for the rest of us. Who are the rest of us? My name is Nick Stevens and I'm your host, but in a way, aren't we all just getting along one day at a time? Uh, a lot of stuff going on out there in the world that's shitty. And I hope that through all the shittiness, we can try to stick together um, and find some unification somehow by reaching out to people in need and showing empathy instead of all the other horrible, ignorant, hateful things that have been said in the media and there. And I hope that everyone out there listening is being good to each other. That being said, this episode is supposed to be about The Empire Strikes Back, Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Back, celebrating the 40th anniversary of the movie. It opened on May 21st, 1980, and I'm putting the episode up on the 31st, better late than never. Uh, but this is, a, but this, is a, this is a true celebration with a true Star Wars fan and subject matter expert, Mr. Fabe Kobayashi Jedi himself from Vegas Ramblers podcast. Um, all the way from Las Vegas, we did a little anchor.fm uh, connection thing. And I just, um, I don't know if it was my headphones with the mic or if there was a gremlin in the editing room. I mean, it was Hank. Hey, what the fuck? It was Hank. It was all Hank. I blame it on Hank. Okay, there, I said it. But yeah, I hope you guys enjoy the episode. And um, I hope that, uh, you know, you uh, enjoy the conversation. And if anything, it's it's yet another reprieve from um, some of the horrible stuff going on out there in the world. I just hope wherever you are listening to the show, whether you're new to the show or a familiar friend of the show, guys, gals, robots, or anything in between, just be good to one another, be safe, and thanks for listening. It's just fiction. Enjoy the show. <laughs> This boy talking about on the telephone, man. Explain it to him. Goddamn, we know there's a telephone, boy. What the hell thing I do here? Losing his mind. And I'm reaping all the benefits. Let's not stand on ceremony here. On guard, Monsieur Soleil. We have blood to spare. You're like some desperate howling demon you frightened me do it again people have accidents frank what are you saying i'm saying people have accidents that's all some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill to jump in babe welcome to comic-con's podcast the first time ever being a uh, a guest but you are you are initiated aren't you i am initiated let me tell you and i'm dude i'm i'm excited this is great this awesome. is awesome i i love your show i love everything this is i'm telling you i know i post stuff on uh you know the insta and uh you know the the beginning of the week you know the grind and stuff i've, I've got to have comic-con's Oh you know, man, I, I appreciate uh, it, and I love it, man. And I love, uh, I love the the support and the fellowship, and I think it's pretty cool, man. We've been able to connect from different parts of the country, complete strangers, and bond over our mutual adoration over shit that we love talking about. You know what I mean? 
I agree. I so love it. It's just a beautiful thing. Um, the Monomoto, James Powell, couldn't make it. He, oh, I'm sorry he, to hear that. He, he bullshitted me. He said he was going to do it. <laughs> and then he, at the last second, he's like, I got to do some things. So we had to push our schedule back. And then he uh, he bailed out. He might chime in later. Who knows? That's the Monomoto, you know. Yeah, I was, uh, I was I was looking forward to the to the threesome. <laughs> I know I wanted to have a hot sticky threesome, but I guess right. we're gonna we'll just we'll keep it above board and wait for him to you know. I feel like oh. I'm a little classier when he's not around anyway. So <laughs> right, he brings out he brings out the dirty in you. <laughs> he brings out the dirty, the dirty gertie. Who knows what might happen? But thanks again for doing this, and thanks for taking time out of your schedule. You know, oh, I know you're a proud papa too. Yes, yes, no worries, no worries. My kids will just starve, that's all. Again, cook them. Oh. No, 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 just joking, just joking, just joking, just joking. No, I'm sorry, kids, Nick comes first. Of course, of course. Hey, um, so we're doing, uh, I thought I wanted to have you on for a long time now, but but partic- in particular, I wanted to have you on and uh, connect with you uh, about uh, Empire Strikes Back. Yes, you know, yes. Because it just uh, it celebrated a 40th anniversary, and I know you you have a podcast, Vegas Ramblers, for the Comic Cons out there that don't know. It, it's uh, it's it's a little podcast. It's trying to get there. It's like the little train that could, you know. It's still trying to get over that hill of you know, getting trying to reach out to as many people as we can. But um, thinking about doing a Facebook page, I haven't been on Facebook. Thinking about doing something with them, Ramblers, trying to reach out to more people, but. Um, Hey, you know, just uh, you know, do it as I go and see where it goes. And I'm just doing it because I just like to ramble on. I just no, like I to agree. be able to talk about stuff that, you know, the poor wife. You know, it's it's we've been together <laughs> for 22 years now. She knows everything about me, but you know, it gets to the point where you know some of this stuff. It's like, okay, really? So I gotta. It's just my way of just being able to talk to whoever wants to listen. You know? No, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I totally agree with you, and I and I totally get where you're coming from. Um, my wife and I haven't been married for for as long, but I can tell you right now, especially with having a a, a little one, you know, and life right. tends to slow down a little bit. You know what I'm saying? That's like the, right. The band slows down a little bit. The hanging <laughs> yeah. out, the hanging out slowed down. So I was like, oh, you know, the podcast was great because it was an excuse to hang out. Like, oh, babe, I got to do the podcast. Right. Hang out. You know. So right. It's, it's good. It's good, man. It's supposed yeah. to be fun, and um, it that's is. fun. Yeah, and it's that's way you know I could just be able to, you know, uh, just let out everything that's on the mind, you know, that I want to talk Absolutely. to, you know, and just talk about all this stuff. So, you know, and I've had um, a couple of buddies that work here in town, but they've moved on to different states. So, it's like you know, uh, I've got Josh, you know, and too bad he couldn't make it, but you know, due to Corona, the, he was working at. Um, particular moon base but they closed mm. doors because they didn't have enough people and so he had to pick up uh whatever job he could get and they he's had to they had to bring in the imperial troopers on this one <laughs> they did they did so oh, uh, so he was all bummed out he was hoping that he would have been able to run. but he's gonna listen to this so you know he listens to comic cons and you know uh so um hopefully the next time you know so I like how I'm such a fraud, right? Because I said Imperial Troopers instead of Stormtroopers. <laughs> but, but it's still, <laughs> but it totally understand. Imperial Troopers, no, it's the same thing, right? Right? So that's like, like, like I just learned Star Wars. 
what the, what the, the imperial troopers called? Uh, they come in with the, the helmets in the backs. I don't know. <laughs> They're the storms say. or the storms? <laughs> I don't know the storms. <laughs> the desert storm? The or desert. something, you know. I don't know. <laughs> so I see snow, but snowstorm? I don't know. Uh, I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, brother, you got to <sighs> tell me... Um, I listened to your uh, your your little uh, episode. Uh, oh, it, was, it, was, it was it was a short one. Yeah, it was just a little impersonal one, you know. It was a good little rant, man. I I really enjoyed. I liked how you told your audience and, and the listeners about your experience seeing Empire Strikes Back. Uh, yeah, I aged myself time. in the process too. <laughs> <laughs> I so aged myself in that process. No, I thought about it afterwards, and I'm like, damn. Okay. No, no, I think it's beautiful. Like, because I mean. I, I got into Star Wars kind of late, and I think um, people could either crucify me for this or or not. But I think uh, the Force Awakens and the new the new trilogy kind of reinvigorated my love for Star Wars. I have um, to tell you, I'm there with you. I you know I was pre- I'm you know particularly you know, and I've said this before, you know, or posted on you know um, also on Instagram. They, yeah, the we got the prequels. I enjoyed them. I didn't love them, mm-hmm. but I enjoyed them. You know, right, and of course, right. you know, nothing will compare to the classics. But I have to tell you, this new Disney trilogy, I I love every minute of it, and it right. brought back that feeling of what I used to feel before with the classic trilogy. And that was, that's just me. And I know some people out there they disagree with me on that, but that's how I feel. So it's just you know, it did bring that spark back. For me, yeah, I was just watching, uh, rewatching Force Awakens tonight with my boy, mm-hmm. and uh, and man, like it's just solid, like it's it's, it's it like is the, ma- the magic is there, it's got a lot of the old, but it's got enough of the new, like and it's just right, right, yeah, it gets me, it gets, gives me the gooseies and all the right, it places. does, it does, I love it, I love it, and I can revisit that over and over, you know, my kids, you know, they're their their introduction to Star Wars, obviously being who I am, you know, they know the stuff that I like, but truly it was this new trilogy that mm. brought them really into the world of Star Wars. Right. You know, a uh, couple weren't even born yet when the prequels were out. My oldest, she was still a baby and it, it wasn't enough of it there. But with this, they took interest in these characters, or I should say my youngest more so than anyone else, but of wanting to know the evolution of, you know, well, who's this person, who's it related to, and going back and seeing the classics. Yeah, that's cool. So, you know, so it's cool. It's it's good. Let me tell you. Let me let me ask you a question. Mm. Is well, it's, it's a theoretical question. Well, it's a rhetorical question, rather. I can't talk tonight. Um, <laughs> All right. Is Empire Strikes Back or The Empire Strikes Back the Empire that strikes the back? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it strikes uh, uh, the, the back. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Is, that, is it the best one? Is it the best Star Wars movie? Okay, I can be, I can speak for personal bias, but I have to say, as far as being a complete film, where you have, where, where to me, and it is a film of its time, but it is a film that I think is timeless as well. Um, effects aside, obviously we have, we're in a day and age where we can't compare your effects that you have today in a film compared to something of 40 years ago. Mm. But when you're looking at the fact of the story, the acting, 
And it is a dark film per se that everybody gets their ass kicked. The, the heroes don't win in this one. Right, right, right. Usually when you have a story like that where the heroes don't win, it gives you great drama, you know. So, and it gives you great performances from those actors. So, as far as being the best for me, it is. Why? Because there is more of the human aspect of it. More so, you forget, or at least for me, you forget you're watching a science fiction film. You're more invested into what these people are trying to get out of, what these people are trying to escape from. Um, so to me, it's more of a complete film to where it's, it is to me the best out of all. Now, yeah. I get it. There's polls out there that say different, and there's people that feel different. You know, um, there's a, a girl that I used to work uh, together with that, you know, same ages as I grew up, you know, around the same time frame. But she thought that, you know, Revenge of the Sith was the best one. Oh, wow. Yeah. And that's I was like, Mon- really? Monomoto. Monomoto feels yeah. the same way. <laughs> really? So there you go. See, so it's different. It's different for everyone. You know, yeah. and I was like, really? But look at it. You know, nope. But she she had valid arguments, you know. Same thing I said. You know, there are great dramatic moments, you know. The heroes, again, Revenge of the Sith is the last one. But the heroes don't win in that one. Yeah, he, yeah. I don't know if he, um. He might not have said it was the best, but he, let me tell you something. James Powell, Monomoto, and I feel comfortable saying this. I can speak for him. Okay. He, fu- he fucking loves that Sith one, man. Really? He loves it. Yeah, he loves it. And it's like, I think it's those Sith eyes. As soon as he saw those Sith eyes, <laughs> right? <it> was like, <laughs> right? <laughs> that's what got him going. He was like, oh, it's those the Sith fiery, eyes. hot red eyes. It'll do to anybody. <laughs> and I got a, and I had a buddy in high school, a really close friend of mine, who like, screamed out in the theater when we saw Phantom Menace when Darth Maul got cut in half and fell to his doom. Or supposedly yeah. doom, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Yeah, right, right, um, yeah. But yeah, he like he screamed. We're like 15, 16 years old. He screams out and I'm like, and it was hilarious because we all thought Darth Maul was the coolest motherfucker out there. And oh then my they God. just kill him and I'm like, no, come on. Right, right. This is so cool. I said the same thing and, and obviously he got you know brought back uh, through the Clone Wars and, and a lot of fans felt the same way. Hence why they brought him back, you know, right, right, right. Uh, doing the storylines with Clone Wars and then Rebels, because he was and I said this from from the beginning and um, and uh, speaking for Josh, because he agreed with me when I told him I did like this, you know, what I thought he, Maul should have been the villain through all three films, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just but he should have been the the it villain. um for the first, second, and third, and having that final battle between Obi Wan and you know Maul, that that which builds up even more of that um, Maul. You know, when you look at Clone Wars, Maul wanting that revenge, right? After so many years, and it builds it up more. You know, and I thought Maul was such a badass character, and you killed him off right there. Right, right. I'm like, no, you know, Star, Star Wars has a hell of a hell. They have a hell of a way of introducing really cool, uh, enamoring, mysterious Character. characters and just teasing you a little bit. Like, hey, by the way, you see that that badass guy in Rogue One that's helping out, uh, you know, um, old Lazy Eye? Got and then, got Forrest Whitaker. Yes, yes, yes. And then he gets done. Boom. He gets done. But then his whole, his whole crew looks badass and we don't even get to see them anymore. Like, no, that And you want to see more of that. You right. want to see more of that. And then look at Boba Fett. Empire. Absolutely. I was just going to say, 
cold, sinister, quiet. He had the whole, you know, Clint Eastwood bounty killer, quiet, you know, even if even was wearing a mask, I could still see him squinting his eyes. You know, right. through the mask. he just had that badass look and then he falls in a pit in Jedi. <laughs> right. The fucking Sarlacc pit. Right, right. So it was, but, so it was so bitch too the way he went because he didn't he, go, just, like, he, he, he didn't struggle or anything. He, no, he just went right in, you know. He just you know he just was there, and then Hans like Bubba Fett comes, turns around, hits the stick against his back, you know, his, his jetpack, and flies into the to the barge. Which I guess, oh, I, if you think about it, I guess it was kind of a. It almost fell in line with the way that dude went out in Raiders when Indiana Jones just shot that badass dude with the sword. Oh yeah, like, yeah, yeah, kinda, yeah. Yeah, same thing. Yeah, it goes. It goes to that moment, <laughs> and you know, and you do know that moment was supposed to have a big fight scene, but they just did that. You know, it was supposed to be a huge whip against sword. Oh yeah, yeah I heard that because everybody yep. was struggling, right? Everybody was sick on the set. Yeah, so he was having like a hundred and three degree fever. He had to record on set, and he just he was he just didn't feel good, so he just pulled the gun and shot him, and it made for great comedy. But I would have loved to see that fight. That would have been good. That would have been nice. So, what is it? Um, what is it about Bubba Fett, though? I mean, that's lasted, that's endured over the years. I just think it's the mystery about him. It's yeah. just he looks so badass, he's and cool. you know, he just he does. He just he just has this mystery about him, and and he doesn't have to say much. Like if you go back, like like let's look back at uh you know, uh, Return of the Jedi, when he's in Jabba's palace and he's just standing there with his mm-hmm. gun in front of him. And then, um, I forget what the scene was when, um, it was, I think, after, oh, that's right, when um, Leia was disguised as the um, the Bosch, that, that guard bringing in, you know, Chewbacca. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then that whole scene right there. And so, when she pulls out that little detonator to get what she wants, you know, and then Java laughs and likes that, you know, individual style, Boba Fett puts down the gun and then the, she looks at Boba Fett, Boba Fett looks at her and he just does like this cool nod, like saying, all right, it's all good. You know, it's just that it, even behind the mask, he just looks, you could tell what he's doing. He just looks badass. Yeah. You know, and it's just that mystery about him. So, and now, you know, it says that Boba's supposed to be making an appearance in Mandalorian Season 2. So Let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. That's oh, my God. Show. Let's, let's talk about that's it. right. You know, and from, from what I'm reading, it says that, um, what's it, I forget the actor's name, but the one who portrayed Django. Oh, yeah. Is supposed to be Boba Fett. But then we get new. Man's new... stepdad. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> That's right. He was in that. Um, but then news comes out that um, what's his name from? Uh, oh my God! Oh, Timothy Oliphant, right? Yes. Thank you. Thank you. He's supposed to be wearing Boba Fett's Mandalorian suit. Mm. So I don't know. Either they're keeping it a mystery, but yes, Boba Fett's supposed to be making an appearance of some sort, which is exciting. And you've got all these actors coming out of the woodworks with these different characters for season two i mean we already know that rosario dawson's going to be you know ahsoka tano that's so good that is so you know, good on, on so many levels. Um, yeah and then katie sackoff did you hear about that no she's going to be um from clone wars um 
Oh my god, what's her um she was the it was in the final season. Um oh my god, oh my god. I haven't watched the final season, but I know I know Sackoff from uh, Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, she was badass in that. Yeah. I loved her. Uh, yeah. So um okay, when you watch the final season, there's a character now I remember. Um uh it's uh a lieutenant by the name of Bo Katan. Badass character incredible she appears in the fourth fifth and the seventh season of um clone wars well katie sackoff is going to be portraying the live action version in the mandalorian oh good for her that's great yep yep so you know i heard her on uh, kevin smith's podcast and she just seems so down to earth and show she does and yeah and she's always, in all this stuff she likes yeah. all this stuff which is great yeah it's always good to see I really do. I love I love seeing good actors in the stuff that I love, of course. But then I like seeing the like getting to know the actors through their interviews and their podcasting, and get and, and coming to realize, oh wait, are we are we initiated? Are they are they are they part yeah. of the elk? Yeah. Are we part right. of the family? Right, right. Oh, and she also did the voice. I forgot she actually voiced that character as well. So it's oh, cool that shit. you have the voice of the character coming and portraying the live action. So it's going to be great. It's going to yeah, be- that's awesome. Dude, so the I, Mandalorian, man. The yes. Mandal- I, I know we're supposed to talk about Empire Strikes Back, and we will. I know, but still, it's that's all right. Mandalorian, it's, God damn! That show, it just the, the thing I like about that show is just it, it appeals to your Star Wars fans, sci-fi fans, but it's also your non-sci-fi Star Wars fans. Okay, like the wife, uh, her, Lisa. That's her name, Lisa. She. She likes Star Wars. She doesn't love it. She does like sci-fi, but she likes more of the thought-provoking sci-fi. Your mm. Blade Runners, your Dark Cities, um, the Matrix, that sort of sci-fi. She likes sci-fi. You. Yeah. So, um, also, you know, it didn't help the fact that I killed her to death with all these discussions of Star Wars through the years. <laughs> but uh, you know, it didn't help at all. It didn't help the cause. Um, she does like Star Trek, uh, more so classic than anything of the newer. Hey, my wife too. Uh, my wife too. But here's the thing: she saw the first episode of The Mandalorian, and she was hooked. She absolutely loves that character. Um, and, and not, you know, also she thought that you know the voice of uh, you know uh, um, the Mandalorian, what's his name, um, Pedro Pascal, oh, yeah, uh, absolutely loves his voice you know finds it like desirable it's, it's a good help. voice it's it a, a good voice. voice it is a good voice it, it, it that helped the you know that helped the cause too but yeah. i had her I, I just asked her you know please give a chance to um picard she couldn't even sit mm. through the whole thing she couldn't she couldn't finish the show she was like i, I don't need to watch this because i like to ask her if she's going to want to watch it i'll watch it together with her if not, I'll go by myself and go watch it if she has no interest. Right. So, but Picard, she was like, oh, I, I, I just can't do it. She couldn't do it. Here's my theory about this, about some of these newer shows that don't work. I think Mandalorian works because while it is telling a grander story, there's a, there's a new obstacle in every show at, at, that progresses the character. You know what I mean? Yeah. And like, yeah. Star Trek doesn't really work like that. Like, I feel like to me, Star Trek is always, hey, we're in space. Um, there's, there's this new mysterious thing we've just encountered, but it's only for this episode. You don't, you don't worry about it. If you, if you miss it, you can catch, tune in next week. We'll have a new right. day. 
You know, yes, so that's right. how Star Trek should be. And this, the Discovery got it all wrong. They were like, "Here's this massive plot with all these underlying characters." It's like, "Oh man, come on!" I mean, it's good. It was produced well. It was written well. But it's just like, at the end of the day, was, for me, I was like, "It's not Star Trek." Sometimes less is more when less it came to you know when it came to Discovery. It was just so much going on. Right. And it was like, oh my god, do these people get a break at all? You know, <laughs> it's like. This this ship is doomed, man. It's right. one thing. It's like DEFCON one every single episode. I know. And that's, it just graded on me, you know. And and I, I loved more season two. Oh, it's funny how we're going into Star Trek. Yeah. I know. Um, it's an Empire show, folks. Bear with us. We'll be Bear right with, with we'll you. Be right um, with so, <laughs> so, but when you go into Discovery season two, what appealed to me was knowing that Pike was going to be there. Right, you had Pike, you had Number One, you had um, Spock. Even though I thought where they were going with it, with the whole Spock tale, trying to find him was just a little bit out there, even for mm-hmm. sci-fi. But you know, knowing that Pike's going to have his own show, um, you know, um, I dig Anson Mount. Um, I think Me he too. looks great. I think he looks awesome as as you know Pike. Um, it's kind of eerie that he has some similarity to Jeffrey Hunter from the original Star Trek. The original, oh, yeah. you know, so it's like, wow, you know, so, but, uh, I look forward to that, you know, um, but going back to the Mandalorian, there's just, it gives you that taste of nostalgia as well. Not because of the universe that it's in, because it takes place after Jedi, but it just has an old school feel of how they produce it. Directly, 100%. 100%. You know, so it gives you that you know, non-green screen digital, you're actually there with real dirt, just a real world feeling. Um, it just brings you back to what started it all. You know, yeah. so I think it just has that appeal, just to this certain look. And Favreau just knew how to do it. So, Dude, what, that Favreau was striking gold, man. Oh, my God. I was just talking I mean... the other day. I said, can you imagine... Because when I um, he shot me news about Boba Fett, and then um, and then I told you know we were talking about Katie Sackhoff. I said, can you imagine what Favreau would have done with this Disney trilogy that just ended? Right. If he would have get, been given the reins to do it. Let's say wonder. you. Let's say you and I go into DeLorean right now, right? Okay. And we just we 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 we, we don't get violent, okay? Because we don't do that on this show. <laughs> right. We just we strongly coerce him in a way that's not violent. But we just get dirty, that's all. We, do, so, we get dirty. We get dirty. And, and we say, listen, man, nobody needs a Lion King. Get back <laughs> in there and do a Star Wars movie. But then again, but then I say that, but then I'm like, maybe we needed, maybe he had, Lion King had to happen so that the Mandalorian could happen. You know what I mean? So maybe I should just count my blessings. Maybe, maybe. I think what happened was, um, you remember, um, did you ever see, I'm sure you did, but um, Cowboys versus Aliens? I did. Yes, I did. Okay. Um, that was Favreau's. I mean, yeah, yeah. had a lot of people backing it, too. You had Spielberg, Ron Howard. Um, a lot of money went into it, but it didn't go nowhere. Right. Um, it didn't hit the chord with the audience. It was a box office failure. And that was right around before they started developing um, Star Wars uh, The Force Awakens, where they ended up giving it to Abrams. I'm wondering if that would have been a massive hit if things would have been different right now. Oh, interesting. That's an interesting theory. 
because um, he had a, he struggled with Iron Man. Right. He took uh, at the time. Let's be honest. Iron Man was a third tier character around that time. Yeah. He wasn't mainstream. He wasn't big and popular like he is. Which is now. crazy to think about now, but you're so right. Like right? in 2008, Iron Man really wasn't, he wasn't a household name. He just wasn't. No, he, he wasn't. And um, another buddy of mine that I worked with at an old moon base, um, he loved Iron Man. So he educated me in Iron Man. When I heard that an Iron Man was coming out um, with uh, Robert Downey Jr., which, you know, uh, God bless him, you know, it sparked his career back on a-list material again yeah yeah you know so um he gave me straight education of iron man who he was where he came from why he did i was like oh okay well this sounds like a cool background i'm like wow you know and that was around the time where uh i think a year or two before tom cruise was fighting for the rights of um iron man because he wanted to be tony Stark. which by the way i still fight this to this day as a, as a tom cruise loyalist and, and apologist I yes to me say, too I have to say, I can actually see that very Me well. Me too. I thought he, I wish yeah, I could. He could have pulled it off. I was like, "All right, Tom, I'm a character." I was all for it. I'm like, right. "Yeah," right. you know. But obviously, it didn't pan out for whatever reason. They they didn't give him the rights, or he couldn't get it or secure them. Um, but even after Iron Man, Iron Man two, then doing, um, you know, the sci-fi film, you know, uh, Cowboys and Aliens, and you had, you know. Daniel Craig, you had Harrison Ford, you had some, you know, list actors, you know. And hey, don't forget still, Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell. That's right. That that's movie. right. That's right. <laughs> and but it didn't do well. Yeah, it didn't do well. So I'm wondering if that was the key, and maybe it wasn't. But you know, and then you had JJ, who was straight off of you know the success of Lost, long running show. Uh, what else did he do around that time? He was doing. Um, Super 8, right? Um, which had that nostalgic kind of ET 80s kind of feel, you know. Um, what else did he do? Well, he, well, he, he did Mission Impossible 3, too. Uh, yeah, that's right. He did Mission Impossible 3, so he was having a good run, and then he brought Star Trek. I think that's really what got him the keys. The yes, movie. yeah, it did. It did, because, and I, mean, I dig movie. that movie, I thought that, it was great. That, oh my god, that first Star Trek! I mean, I, I liked all of them, I'm, I'm not one of those. Some people sneeze at Into Darkness, but I'm like, no, I actually, I like, I like them all. I can see what people's qualms are with the second one, but that first I, Star Trek movie, man, like, oh, that was oh good. dude, so with the, good. And, and fucking Carl Urban is dying. Yes. Come on. <laughs> yep, right. The Urban, and he killed it as bones. He killed, he killed it. it Dr. McCoy. He killed it. So it's like, God. Ah, I still wish there was another Judge Dredd. Anyway, that that's and, just yeah. You, know, yeah, you and me both, buddy. I signed the petition and everything. No lie. I mean, yeah, right. I, <laughs> you know, and then there was that whole, you know, the news and that tease that it might be coming to Netflix. Never panned out either. Never so. panned out. Ah, uh, no. But but back to know. Empire or Strikes Back, kids. Yes, yes. yes. Start <laughs> reel it back in. You know. Wow, fade right out there. Come on back there, kid. This, no, this, hey, it's you and me both, man. We got we got on the, <laughs> the train. We missed the exit, you know. Right. Back on. Oh, um, yeah. Sorry. That's why they call me the Rambler. Sorry. <laughs> likewise, likewise, bro. Right, right. Um, I think one of the things I love about Empire the most is just the opening. Um, as, as Even as a kid, New Hope was, was okay with me, but New Hope never resonated as much. Empire always resonated with me because they start off on that ice planet and for some reason just seeing the probes come down and they're on the ice planet and we see the, the, the Imperial walkers and then 
just all those walkers are badass. I love those right. walkers. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just thought again, less is more when they brought back those walkers in um uh the last Jedi, they were all bulky and their feet were weird and it just didn't it just didn't look cool. Just again, they were just basic walkers in Empire that looked so menacing. Right. So and yeah, I get it. You know, it, you know, you and it was and it was a what I loved about it too was you had the hero. Us kids were like, "Yay, we're seeing Luke Skywalker again!" Ten minutes into the movie, not even that, he gets hit by a, you know, by this wampa and gets dragged into the snow. So you're like, "What the hell?" You know. So it starts off with, you know, that impending doom to the heroes. You know, is the is and, the wampa the is he like a is he a broken cousin? Of the Wookiee, like, <laughs> right, right, like, right. What is the Wampa? I mean, that's a mean looking. I feel like he is, we, he's we a beast. About Star Trek earlier, but I feel like Chris Prime might have been hiding out in that cave, right? Like, that's so yeah, I got that right. I always said that, and this is how I said, I always said, you know, I think this whole ice thing that's in Star Trek that's got to be an homage to Empire. That right. has to be, <laughs> it's like a little homage to Empire, right? Did there, you just man. banish him on Spock? Did you banish Kirk? On <laughs> right. <Hodge>? <laughs> <laughs> Somebody should do a parody where, you know, you see Kirk come out of the, you know, oh, thanks for saving me, man. I've been stuck in here hiding this whole time. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but then you got also that was that was just a badass scene to where Luke is still learning his abilities and yeah. where he tries to reach for that lightsaber and the suspense of the wampa coming at him. So good. And, and then you see the little the, the, the bottom of the hill, you know, the uh, lightsaber come up a little. It's coming out of the ice. It's like, shh, 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 yeah. you know, and boom, yeah. goes in. It's just all those little subtleties, you know, in in that movie um, that I absolutely love. And you're also talking about a film that took that chance. Um, I, I think I mentioned this in, in my little podcast, but it was a film that pushed that envelope like so many films have done, you know, after that, where you had a little puppet you know, being, you know, by Frank Oz, you know, uh, Jim Henson came and, you know, uh, working with Lucas to see how to create the puppetry of the Muppets and doing it with Yoda. So magical. So magical. It it could make or break a scene. There was no CGI. So if you bought that and you looked at that and you forget you're looking at a puppet that's being, you know, with, with people controlling it, you're like, so it just pushed that. And then at that point, you never had uh, daytime, you know, blue screen, you know, mm. like the speeders and the, you know, everything was space because you could get away with it, especially, you know, with um, when I went to my first year of college, um, I dabble into filmmaking. So because I wanted to learn how to do blue green, uh, blue screens and green screens and all that stuff. So, and to know what goes into it and the, and how much you can make a, a, an object be solid against that blue screen, especially dealing with a daylight scene. Um, it's just, they took risks because when you do a space scene, you can get away with the, which they call a matte line around the model or the object. So it blends in with the black. Oh. Yeah. So when you see them, when you're trying to, that was back then. Now you do everything in the computer, so everything's fine. Uh, you can get a, you can do whatever you want. But back then, you had to control the opacity. So um, the more solid you made, 
the particular model against that blue screen, against whatever backdrop you had, the thicker that line. So imagine taking a magic marker and just drawing in a big, thick black outline around that model. So in order not to see that, they had to play around with it. If not, you'd just be seeing a thick black line around every model that you saw in Empire during that daytime scene. And the amount of time and, and blood, sweat, and oh, tears that went into this shit. I mean, you said, you said the word model before. Let's talk, I mean, yeah. let's talk about models. Like, they use yes. models, like actual like plastic yes. models of these things and they were they just even did, before they even did anything on location or on a set it was all right shot with everything models. had to be built by hand it was just hard effects nothing digital at all and it still mm -hmm. looks it still holds up it still looks credible in fact that's so the point thing. when you see the new cgi editions it's very glaring there's a glaring contrast correct you right know, sometimes it's right. kind of like whoa what the fuck i mean in cloud when we get to cloud city which by the way i've always fucking loved cloud city Oh, I, I, love like, I love the idea of like this city in the clouds. Never mind what planet or what solar system it's in. Just just the fact that we're in a cloud city. I just yep. I like that shit. Yep. That's Star Wars. Yep. That never happened before, you know? No, no. And see, I, I thought it benefited from the special editions that came out around what, ninety-five? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, when they opened up um Cloud City to where you saw more of the sky, more of the background. When you saw Lando, um escaping with you know trying to free han if they could reach him in time right um so in the old school um version you know the the original version everything was closed it felt you know but when they did the special edition they deleted the whole wall that was there as they were running and it had him running against this rail with this whole sky and it looked open and looked great and i thought that that was a nice touch that yeah. was a great touch yeah so but um, I, I mean, love speaking, speaking of touch, um, Lando, is he a little yeah. too? Uh, is he a little too rapey with the touchy? Or <laughs> I don't know, right? <laughs> right? You know, back then they could get away with that. He was some. He was suave, man. He just, he, he just, was, you know, he, he was. He just, um, Billy D. Williams. He just, he just had that. I, I like to use the word panache. He just had oh, that. Oh my 100%, god, one hundred percent. And I as mean, he. So so I, I don't know which one I love more. I don't know if I love him more as Lando or as uh, Harvey Dent. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> oh, that's right. <laughs> Goblins that's right. and ghouls. And, you know. I feel bad for him, too, because when he was under Tim Burton, see how we veer off. We're going to Batman. <laughs> hey, hey, uh, hey, let's talk about it. Let's talk it's about Batman. It. It's Batman. You know, it always comes back to Batman, like I always say. Um, when he was contracted by Tim Burton and company um, to be Harvey Dent, you know, which I thought would be great. He signed on to do two other sequels. Isn't and that crazy? Isn't it crazy he, to yeah. imagine was not a, only that, but just imagine like there was a time when they were actually contracting out franchises like that? Yes. And so he thought by doing this, okay, this is a great move for him. He, you, you know, like the character, he thought he was going to be um, Two-Faced. That's what it said. You know, we're going to end up having your character come back, you know, under Burton, Tim Burton was supposed to be continuing doing it, and he was supposed to be back for the third film, you know, mm. under Tim Burton, and then, you know, show him, you know, as the district attorney, he ends up being Two-Face, because that was the only logical character in Tim Burton's eyes after Penguin and Catwoman, and he, I can only imagine what Tim Burton's Two-Face was going to be like, but holy crap. Um, so, but it was supposed to be Billy D. Williams. Right. And, but it never happened. It, you know, Burton left. It was a whole new
crew, Joel Schumacher went with um, uh, Good old Tommy, Tommy Lee Jones. Jones. Yeah, and so, and I think I either read or I saw just an old interview uh, from Billy D. Williams later on how he felt about that because he expected that he was going to get the call, and it never happened. So there was a lot, was a lot of shysty back yeah. going on back then. Though. They, nope. I think I've talked about this before. They. They lowballed uh, Robin Williams and then like let him along with like breadcrumbs and yep. and, and and some other kind of That's enticement. Right. That's and right. Then they, and then basically when Jim Carrey found out, he's like, "Oh wait, I'll do it." And then Robin yep. Williams said he would never do a superhero or a comic yeah. movie again. Yeah, I don't know something yep. like that. But uh, because uh, he was supposed to be the Riddler, and right, 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 right. Jim Carrey was super hot at that time. Oh, oh my dude. god, he it was, was like currency. Oh, yes. Big time because you knew he was bank. He's right. in a movie. We're gonna make money. Boom. But you know that's the way it was. You that's know another thing that's changed with movie making now. Even though I know that there's still a lot of that, it's all about who's hot now. Who's hot now? And right. I, certain television has come a long way and broken a lot of people out, and they've come onto film. And I think that's a kind of a, a game changer. But I also think that your your movie stars are kind of a thing of the past. Like the movie star thing is kind of a relic now. And now it it's is. like directors that. and writers are getting more credibility. They are than the actual you know? actors. Right. Right. So I, I, agree. I mean, I don't know, take it that for what you will, but I think it's kind of, especially with the star Wars stuff, like now Taika Waititi is going to be getting a star Wars movie. Yeah. Who knows what it's going to be about, but right. Here's right. a guy who started off making independent movies and, 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 uh, collaborating with the, uh, Flight of the Concords guys, you know what I'm saying? Like so. Yes, it's yes, just, that's right. It's so strange now that he's going to be doing. I mean, he's already done Thor. He's going to do another Thor, and now he's going to be doing a, a Star Wars movie after directing a Mandalorian episode. I can't so, wait for that next Thor movie, though. Love oh, and yeah, Thunder. I, mean, I can't I wait. Mean, yeah, I can't who, wait. Who's Christian Bale going to be playing? Have they? They have announced. announced. Nope, it's been all under the just under just quiet. Everything's quiet about that. Take, Take my money. I mean, just put that right. guy in any movie. I'm, I'm showing up. And from what I understand, that uh, Natalie Portman is supposed to be taking over the the Thor's hammer. She's let's supposed talk, to be. Yeah. Let's talk about Natalie Portman real quick. Yes. Was she? It wasn't her fault, right? In in the in the in the first trilogy, right? I mean, <laughs> they they gave her some bad lines. You they know did. What I mean, they really did her. God yeah. bless. She's a solid actress, but man. She is a solid actress, and the actor's only going to perform as best as what they, you know, you give them, you know? I mean, it, I mean, you can have your Leonardo DiCaprio's, your, you know, uh, Christian Bale's, your, your actors that can perform any role, but if, but if you give them stuff that doesn't really pull that acting or what they can do, they're only going to do it, you know, is on the page. And do you think, do you think uh, Mark Hamill was uh, perfect for the role of Luke Skywalker at the time it came out? Or do you think I he think struck he, gold because he jumped on the train right at the right time? I think personally, I think he was the right, he, he, okay. From what I, from what I gather from, you know, going deep into the, you know, behind the scenes and the whole, everything that it took to, get Star Wars off the ground. Um, I think uh, Lucas said that he interviewed, I think, hundreds of actors 
Um, and it was him and um, his friend, uh, Brian De Palma, because he was casting for Carrie at the time. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so they were both in the same casting room. Um, wow. Yep, in the same casting room. And so he said, hey, can I just come on in with you? He says, yeah, sure. Because they were all lo- they were both looking for actors of all the same age. So they said, well, oh. maybe this person will fit better in my movie and this person will fit better in your movie. And so they were just doing that. Um, so as they were reading off these sides, these, you know, little sides where you have somebody who's not at, who's, who's reading the lines and feeding it off of whoever you're interviewing. Right. So, um, so you and I have dialogue and the, the casting director or the director himself wants you, Nick in a movie, I'm going to read the dialogue of somebody you play off with and to see how you perform. But um, so that's what they were doing. And the person who was reading the sides was a very young Harrison Ford who was doing the sides where he where Lucas had no interest in casting him as Han Solo. Wasn't he like a carpenter on the set? Or is that? Yeah. Yeah. He was a carpenter. He wasn't a carpenter on set. He was a carpenter in the studio where they were doing the um, the offices where they were doing this casting stuff. Um, And it was he's actually I think I want to say and whoever's out there, correct me if I'm wrong, but. I think he was doing some new furniture uh, cabinetry for, I think it was either Francis Coppola in his office or somebody, somebody big. And so, yeah. And so he was doing some cabinetry for someone there. And I think it was Coppola because this was um, when uh, Lucas was casting for American Graffiti, which I love. Could love that, that would have made sense. That's like seventies, like yep. straight seventies. And yeah. so he said, "Hey, you know, um, I can't think." He said, "Hey, George, I got this guy. I think he would be great for the little role that you're looking for." You know, the little role. Yep. <laughs> and so he was in this. You know, he's supposed to be that drag racer that was matching up against someone else there in the, you know, in, in that film. Anyway, so but then after that, that was it. He went back to, he couldn't get any work. He went back to cabinetry doing his carpentry work. And uh, Lucas said, hey, um, I'll pay you, but do you mind reading sides with these actors? So he said, yeah, sure. And so that's all he did. But um, so, yeah. So uh, what made, uh, what was it that made um, Harrison get the role of Star Wars? Um, He read well with Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill came in. He was 22. Uh, just came off of doing General Hospital on ABC. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, he was just he was known in television, but that's it. So he came in, read, and he just gave an honest, just wholesome, farm boyish kind of sincerity, I guess, to this character. Um, because some of the lines were just like you know out of this world who talks like this kind of sci-fi-ish kind of language but, but i wanted to go into town and get some new power converters <laughs> right right and so, right and so he nailed it it just and then him and harrison had a a good chemistry you know together and so and then the rest and then they you know brought in carrie fisher and she read well and the three of them just got along great and the rest is history after that so Hamill brought in, you know, that sincere, you know, uh, coming of age kind of character because you have the boy on the farm who wants to get off of there, go to an adventure. You know, he doesn't want to be a farmer. He wants to be an adventurer. He wants right. to get out there. So right. it's a coming of age story. So, and 
that's how he, you know, he sold it as Luke. Dude, he he really is. I mean, I, it's hard to envision anybody else. In it that is because you needed somebody kind of pure and seemingly incorruptible. Um, right. At the same time, like, like we used to do a drinking game in college. Every time he would say something like really lame in New Hope, so we would uh-huh. get wasted by the first like you know twenty minutes of the movie because <laughs> right. like like Luke, you're killing me, man. Right. Right, right. But I'm, but I am, but I, I rewatch when you watch when you rewatch movies through new eyes, or I should say older eyes in my <laughs> new eyes. Like I got, right. a, I had an operation. They gave me Jerry Orbach's eyes. And, um, <laughs> and, uh, so like um, I'm rewatching it, and I'm like, oh, there's a moment where um, C3PO is talking about being left in the valley after he's been ambushed by those those sand people and yes. he's ripped apart, and he's like, leave me behind. And Luke looks at him and sincerely, he's like, now what kind of talk is that? Come yeah, on. come on. Yeah, like, well, let's go, you know, right? And I never noticed it before, but watching it again now, I was like, damn, like he, like he's a solid good guy. Like he doesn't want to even leave this droid. He really is. Like, he really is. That, like, who, like I, first of all, the people's, the whole, everyone's relationship <laughs> with their droids in the Star Wars universe varies so much. But every oh now and God. then you meet somebody like like Poe Dameron who loves BB-8. Love BB-8. Oh, my know? God. He's like, buddy. Oh, my God. I haven't seen you forever. You know? Oh, my that's God. How, that's how I would be. If I had right? droids, I would love right? those droids. You know what I mean? Oh, my God. It would be so nice to have a droid. Oh, my God. I want a droid. Jeez. Right. Absolutely. Right? And even C-3PO, like, he could stick around. He's right? kind of annoying sometimes, but I grew to love him, you know? But you know what? He's loyal. He is so loyal, loyal to the death. He is loyal to the core, you know. He's just—he is really loyal, and it Did goes it? back to. And so that's why I, you know, like Josh. You know, one time he asked me a while back ago, and a couple of other people says, "Why do you like?" You know, when I was starting the whole, you know, build um, this life-size Luke Skywalker, I was like, you know, uh, you know, are you going to do a New Hope? Are you going to do? Everybody tends to always go to the Return of the Jedi Luke, because mm-hmm. I know you look badass. He's all in black, you know. The whole bit, but he said, "No, I'm going to go with Bespin Luke." He says, "Why?" And I said, "Because it's like he's in between boyhood and manhood. He's not sure what the hell he's doing, but he right. knows he's got to do it." That's before and, he popped the cherry. Yes, heads. exactly, exactly. Oh my God, he's waiting in his shorts at the moment, standing right there. <laughs> when, when Vader's right there, and he says, "You know, the Force is with you, young Skywalker." You know he's shitting in his branches right then and there, but he doesn't show it. Doesn't show it. He's going Side in with note, a- We should talk about. Uh, we should take a break here and talk about for the for the Kamikazes that don't know. We have we have statewide. We have stateside listeners. We have we have listeners overseas. They might not know that the person I'm talking to right now is none other than Kobayashi Jedi himself. Oh yeah. If you yes. don't already follow him on Instagram, because this guy. This guy right here, kids, builds life-size action figures, essentially. Like, replicas, true right. replicas of some of the most iconic characters of the lore. Notice I said the lore. Because in, in, in our world, and I'm talking, I think we're initiated here. When, we, when I say our world, Fabe, you and me, Superman. That's right. Uh, Luke Skywalker and a T-800 that we know and love all exist in the same universe. I don't care. That's right. Saying. That's right. That's right. And, yeah. I, and it's you do a good job, by the way. You do a bang up, awesome job. Like these guys look legitimate, like standing thank in you, your room, in your house. Thank you, thank you, my friend. And I gotta tell you, 
God bless my wife. Oh my God. When I tell <laughs> she won't let me. Okay. All right. Now everybody out there, you know, when I, when I post these things up, um, I have like, you know, part of the hallway and an L shaped corner, you know, upstairs in this loft area that we share. Now, mind you, obviously I would love to have like a basement or a whole solid room, you know, for myself. But kids, I try to make this stuff work. But I remember one time I had Indiana Jones. I think she was out somewhere. This is right around the holidays. And I just tried to sneak him downstairs, put him in the corner of a room just to see. He was looked all cool. And <laughs> and the wife is huge on plants and stuff. So I put plants around it so it looked all tropical, like he's in the jungle <laughs> and stuff. And so I thought she would go for it, right? It's the holidays. She's in a good mood. You know, everything's going all wonderful. Oh, my God. She was like the T-800 targeting someone for their clothes. I swear to God. She came in the door. She goes, uh-uh. That's got to go. I was like, okay. Oh, got to go up there. She shut that down. So brought it back upstairs. But I make it work. Now. Do it. Come on. Get me. Right. Right. So right now, the T-800, I, I'm pretty much taking over kind of the upstairs a little bit but yeah I, I i love doing this stuff and what sparked it what sparked it was my uh the darth vader i was like they were so expensive when if that you was want the to first buy, one yeah that was the first one when wow. you when you buy a when you have a life-size um if you want to buy a life-size darth vader and what did it was all the way back to when they did those special editions if you remember when the special editions came out there was promotions everywhere from Pepsi to Pizza Hut, you name it. The things were coming out in theaters again. And there was a commercial of all the Star Wars giveaway. And there was this guy in his living room with a life-size Darth Vader. And they were trying to, they were giving that away, you know, Damn. and, and just, like, just like McDonald's Monopoly, I don't win shit. So I didn't win <laughs> the damn thing, you know, and there was not even a tag that says here, free fries. No, nothing. So. And so I was like, oh, one day I wish, you know, I'd just love to build one, just do it myself. And I just finally started. It was eBay and it was just buying. I, there was this guy on there who was molding parts out of fiberglass, you know, like Vader's chest and his shoulder pads and all of that stuff. So non-painted, non-very rough, you know, so you had to do all the shaving, you had to do all the sanding, you had to do the work. Right. Molding was there. And it just started from there. Just piecing it together, getting the lights for the chest, for the box, for the everything, you know. Uh, what's your what's what's your what's your uh your your environment your environmental process when you're going through that? Like do you do you got any certain tunes or bands you like to listen to when you're I do. I do. Movie? Give it to me. I, what you Okay, so it's I either have um as far as music, I have Soundgarden on. Oh yeah, Soundgarden's on. You know, it goes from Soundgarden, Little Pearl Jam, Nirvana. If I am creating, I'm in the mix. So I, I just have a mixture of that. You know, the alternative music going on, mainly those. And as far as what I'm watching, I don't necessarily watch a movie, but I watch a documentary on something I enjoy because it gets me into the creative flow. Oh, good for you. That's cool. So what I do, ironically enough. Um, 
there's this great, great making of Raiders of the Lost Ark that came out on the latest Blu-ray set. Uh, came out, what, a few years back, whenever they brought it on Blu-ray. Um, they have a good set on the DVD, but what did it for me was on this Blu-ray one, um, there's no... You know, when you watch a documentary, they'll show you some things from the past and they interview the people currently, you know, talking about that certain scene and they reminisce of what happened. Yeah. Then. Yeah. This documentary was um, all the footage that they pulled from all the documentary footage that they did during Raiders back in 79 and 80, you know. And so from Spielberg sitting in his office talking about it to going to the location. So it's just a camera. It's like a, just a reality. You're watching an hour long reality, you know, show, um, but of the Raiders of the Lost Ark. So I usually put that on because it just gets me, or um, do you remember that documentary? It's on the Blu-ray of uh, Terminator 2, but it's that 22 minute little documentary that they did the making of Terminator 2. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So I'll put that on. So I put things like that because I, it just makes me feel like I'm a part of that world at the moment. Yeah, especially when you're like currently building something and you're actually yes. being like a, a, yes. crafting something. Yeah, that's so. That's what I do. That's that's my go-to. You know, um, so even if I'm working on a Luke or if I'm working on something, I'll still put in the Raiders. There's just something about it that in my crazy mind and the way I do things and the way I flow, it just gives me that. It just, it's, I don't know. It just energizes the juice to create these busts, the paint, to get the stuff done, the props. It's so the now, secret of the ooze. It's, it's your, <laughs> there you go. It's, it's there your you go. secret of your ooze. You it's my I mean? ooze. And dude, do I spread my ooze everywhere? It's, yes, you do. Oh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> But uh, we did it. It's officially Comic Con's podcast episode, everybody. There you go. That's it. There you go. So, but but Empire 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 Strikes Back, though, like, um, because because this goes this ties into Raiders. We because uh, when uh, when Manamoto and I did the Indiana Jones trilogy, yes, we both agreed that Raiders is the essential one, and it is the essential. I think that Empire Strikes Back is the essential one, also. Empire is the essential. I think Empire, it's, yes, it did benefit from more money, obviously, after the success of A New Hope. So George could sit back and just put in everything he had mm-hmm. to making what he wanted to make. But I think who gave it the perfect touch was Irving Kirshner, the director. Irving Kirshner is not a sci-fi, he wasn't, well, rest in peace, but he wasn't a sci-fi director. He was a professor at USC Film School. That's where he met George when George was still young and doing student films. He did a couple of movies. You know, they were fairly well movies, but there was something about Irving Kirshner coming in with a non-sci-fi eye. Yeah. So he brought in that human touch, that 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 something that he brought, that little magic. You know, so you know, like he said once, you know, he needed humor, but it couldn't be jokey. He needed romance, but it couldn't be smoochy. You know, that's what he said. Oh. Um, so he wanted action, but it couldn't be over the top and non-believable. That's another that's, thing you love about the, about the Empire Strikes Back as you get older. You actually like that romance a little bit more. You do. You know, you do. 
You even, do. And even though C-3PO cock blocks like a motherfucker. <laughs> oh, my God, right? He said, sir, sir. <laughs> He's like, fucker, I'm having a moment here, Come man. Come on, I just kissed her. I said I was a scoundrel. She Finally, brought down that wall, man. Come on, man. He, knocked, he, ch- he chiseled away at that wall, too. Oh, my God. Han was ch- chiseling away. God bless him. Oh, man. So, he but he did it. Wall. He did it. But that scene at the yeah. end, at the, at, not the end, end, but right before the end, the Cloud City, that, fate, that that iconic scene is that it's that romance and that iconic scene that gives us that that swell in the score, the John Williams score, that that shift in the score. That's right, like oh, and she's like, "I love you," and he says, "I know, bitch." No, he doesn't. Nick, <laughs> like, but come on, like it's so good, like. He, he was just he, so he could have he, he said I love you back or something like that, but no. By saying I know, that's him. That's him. yes, that's, that's exactly it. That was Han. He was a cocky, confident, even to the end. Even he didn't know if end. he was gonna live or die, so he just no. kept it. He kept it himself. He was himself. He, he didn't change for no one. He was testing the carbonite process for Luke to make sure it worked. Like, <laughs> right, right. I got, right? This. I'll, I'll I got this, man. I'll take it for the team, man. Do you think that hurts? <laughs> do you think it hurts a little bit, or do you don't feel anything? Maybe I don't know. I want to see you feel hurt. I think you feel a sting. Yeah, I really. His, his face afterwards is like. Yeah, he's like, oh, like he's not smiling. Oh. No, he's not. he's like, ouch, that fucking hurts. And it froze him right at that moment. God. And you see a bit of that in The Mandalorian. You know? Oh, you do, you do, you do. And it's just that, you know, that's like a, a quick carbonite freeze. It's like instinct carbonite, you know, what he has in that ship of his. They've come a long way since. since oh, City. man. So <laughs> a very long way. I have some of the carbonite uh, editions of some of the Star Wars figures because I just couldn't resist. You know, you're one late, not anymore in this, in this climate, but it, before all this was going down, like I'd walk around the store with my baby boy and we'd walk yeah. past the Hot Wheels, he'd get a car, and then I'd walk past the action figures. And, and I saw the carbonite series, like, like they're just gold figures. And I'd, I'd pick a couple of them up and they're just sitting in the garage now staring back at me. It's just like a, a nice, endearing feeling, you know, when you when you look at that because it just, I was wondering about that because when I go to the store, everything's out. I mean, I don't know if they're getting enough at the stores that I go to, but I see just empty slots. I'm like, son of a bitch. I miss them every time. So so they are nice. They are worth yeah. getting. Yeah, they are worth getting. I think they're, they're – and actually the ones uh, down by my way, and I don't, I don't know, maybe if it's maybe it's just a, a geographical location kind of thing, but, like, they had them on the clearance shelf. Like, they just couldn't – they couldn't sell Really? Them. Yeah. Wow. Um, but meanwhile, the entire, like, all the Jurassic uh, Park stuff was, like, gone and stuff like that. So, I, I don't know. Maybe there's just more of a Jurassic Park uh, demographic here. And, like, obviously, wow. the MCU stuff. Right. No one's right. as intrigued by the old school Star Wars toys. Like, See, here know. I can't. Oh, my God. I want to get my hands on. So, I'm going to have to go resort, which I do, you know, most of the time is um, online. You know, just, you know. Yeah, he turned that me way. on to yeah. uh, big, uh, big bad, toys. big bad choice. Yeah, yeah, dude, oh, they're good. I like it. They, they have. I, good I, I always, I always research the. Um, I like the black series Star Wars figures, but I like, I like the oddball, the oddball characters. Like I, I got K two S O as soon as I saw Rogue One because I loved K two S O. Oh, that's cool. That's and, cool. Uh, I, I got a Jawa because I love the Jawas. Okay. And I ordered Mandalore. I say <laughs> <laughs> no. It was good. One more time. One more time. Oh, Danny. Oh, dude. I love it. 
And I got, uh, I got a Mandalorian, but he's on back order. I guess I'm going to get him in like 2022 at this point. Right, right. Yeah, because, yeah. Oh, my God. But, hey, at least you got him ordered. We'll hey, drive yeah. soon, we'll, you know? We'll, we'll so, see what happens. Yeah, all <laughs> right. So, but, uh, but, yeah, love Empire, love everything about it. Can never get, you know, tired of talking about Empire or any of the stuff that we love for that matter. Do you think Darth uh, went a little hard on him, though? Like knowing that he knew it was that Luke was his boy, and he went hard on him, like cut off his hand and everything. Was like, I don't want to destroy you. That's my. I think voice. that's but, another thing too. That's another. <laughs> thing. It's a very nice talk for I love that voice. You should do that again. <laughs> I'll record it. Put it on my life size Darth Vader. <laughs> I don't want. To, I don't want to destroy you. Are, are you the villain from Die Hard Three? Or <laughs> right. Like which one right. are you? Right. Right. Line and sinker, Luke. Yeah. <laughs> Hook, line, and sinker. <laughs> yeah, I don't. He like, dude, that's your boy. Like, you know, that's your boy. So I get maybe fight him, but you're obviously stronger at this point. You can go a little lighter. Maybe he did. I but you cut your boy's I, hand off. Man. Yeah, right. That's. I, I think it comes to the point where, and and in my opinion, other than when he went all slice and dice in Rogue One, um, I think uh. Vader was the. He was just the epitome of evil in Empire. I mean, choking yeah, people right. left and right. Things you're didn't right, go his right. way. He killed them. Just the you're way right. he talked, the things he said, the threats he made. Um, right. And so, yeah, he knew that it was his son, but he was really testing his boundaries and seeing how far can this kid go. Do you think he was a little afraid too, maybe? Um, I think he was intimidated. He was once... okay. yep. yep. I think he was intimidated because he's like, okay, you know, he felt that the emperor probably wants to replace them eventually with someone younger. You they know? talk about that in the comics, which is interesting, which kind of, right. if you kids out there haven't read any of them, the Darth Vader run from like, I think 2015, 2016, right. really, really explored that backstory of him and kind of gave him a bit more of a, well, not really so much backstory, but just kind of explored the stuff that he did that was like off screen, stuff that we didn't get to see in the movie. Exactly, exactly. And uh, it showed how he was like, how the Emperor was like constantly threatening to replace him. And it's like, God right. damn, dude. Like, right. I thought that was your boy. And that's like, the thing. So he was, he was easily replaceable. He knew that nothing is permanent. So, but I think maybe there was a small, I think that's where you could come in with that line that he says after chopping off his hand and Luke is trying to escape before he throws himself down that shaft where he says, um, the Emperor's foreseen this, you know, he says, you're our powerful, you know, and then he said that, join me and then we can rule the galaxy as father and son. Mm. So it goes to that to where he's like, you know, screw the Emperor, you and I can take him on. Let's do this, you know. Um, so I think it's just that he knew that the emperor, you know, looking into something else or someone else and he's replaceable. So, yeah. So anyway, that, that training scene back on, uh, the Dagobah. Oh, Dagobah. Yeah. When, uh, when Yoda raises the, the X-wing. Like it's still, it still gives me goosies all these years later. It does. It does. And, and even though I loved seeing Luke do it with his own X-Wing when Ray needed something to fly away in, it's, it, it was awesome to see. It was a great nostalgia, but it still doesn't give me the same type of goosies as seeing Yoda do it in that scene. I know. And I kind of, I'm, I'm one of those guys that I kind of wish Luke was the one that did it, you know? Right. Right. Cause I mean, uh, come it, on, it, man. 
I know. And just have that confidence and being able to, you know, lift something. And here's Yoda, little man, and he just does it with no problems at all. <laughs> Yoda's yeah. a ghost and he's still lifting shit. Yep. Come on. Right, right. So, but, um, and that training sequence on Dagobah, um, again, you got to commend it to Mark Camel because it's just him with a puppet. He's got no right. other actors right. around him. He's playing off of a puppet and it makes it so much more real. It's just his honesty in acting. Right. Sells it. 100%. You know. So but yeah. So Empire's Empire's the will will remain uh to me the the epitome, the 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 one and only of, you know, the greatest, you know, Star Wars films of all. So that being said, on our show as you're aware, we have a six tier rating system where we stay in the flavors of positive that's right you know um call it a work good movie theater good home video good catch it on cable good stick with the flu good and solitary confinement good fabe what's your call i think i don't know if this has ever been said before but i'm going to say it's all six it is all of them all of them i don't think it has been said before and i think you can't go wrong you might be right you might be right. I think it is all six. It is all six. You cannot go wrong with this film. Tell me if it came back in theaters, you wouldn't want to see it on the big screen. Tell me I if will. you're right, right? So if right. you're sick, if you're sick with the flu, shit, if I'm in bed and it's on, and even if I put it on, I'm gonna watch it. It's just yeah. it's comfort right there. It's all you know? six. It is. It's it's, six. It, it is. And I'll even go a step further and 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 and, and say this. I may or may not have watched this many a moon ago while I was under the su- the substance uh, under the uh, oh. <laughs> un- under the influence of some of some hallucinogenic drug. Oh, there you go. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you right now, every scene on Hoth looked like an Alex Ross painting. Well, there trapped you in my chair. Right? So you were like pretty clouds. Be- <laughs> Look at those pretty clouds. <laughs> but again, I said may or may not. All and right. And this show, this show is just fiction. <laughs> and anybody listening from any moon base hearing <laughs> it's I'm all just, fiction it's right. all fiction it's all fiction um but yeah no i agree man it's it's just it's it's a gem and it, it's it's the go-to the only thing that's maybe more go-to than this one is just the opening for me anyways the opening scene of, of jedi just because i love that whole opening scene when he he has oh, a I green lightsaber and he yeah. fights everybody and, yep. and you hear like yeah. 10 Wilhelm screams and it never it never gets old to me. In fact, if I no, don't hear a Wilhelm scream, I get pissed. Right. Right. So, That's a go-to for a Lucasfilm kind of film. You know, you hear I it. it. I love it. Yep. <laughs> so yeah, it's great. That's awesome. That's awesome. Dude, um, I know we we're all over the place, but I don't want to keep you on any longer. I know you're a proud papa and you got obligations too. No, but this um, has been great. This has been so much dude, fun. It's so much fun. Thank you for doing this. Uh, tell tell the Comic Conzies where they can get your podcast. Uh, right now, it's uh, um, on Anchor, obviously, Spotify. We're on um, Apple iTunes. Um, I think we're in a couple of others. I'm not sure, but wherever your podcast or wherever you listen through to, just uh, search for us. We're the only Vegas Ramblers. And, uh, you guys can hit me up at uh, Fabes Kobayashi um, Corner um, at gmail.com or just hit me up on Insta. I'll soon be on Facebook. I'll, you know, shout that out soon, hopefully. Uh, but right now I'm Kobayashi Jedi on Instagram. 
Right on, right on, right on. Well, sir, thank you for doing this. Thank uh, you. Again. Thank it's, you. It's this been, was great. It's been a pleasure and it's been, it's awesome. We're going to do this again soon. Yes. Yes, absolutely. I just, I loved it. Love your show. Everybody out there. Um, I, I found comic cons by accident. I was just on a, um, God, this is a few years back or a couple of years back or whatever. Um, searching for um, a new podcast channel to put on the phone. And then I just put on um, comic books and comic cons came on. <laughs> I said, comic cons. And then I was like, huh, this is interesting. So let me listen to one. And I was like, Oh God, I love this guy. Oh my God. <laughs> love this guy. Oh, why? Because don't take this shit seriously. That's what right. I fucking love. And there's so many people out there that God bless them to take this to heart. People, it's just fiction. It's just oh, fiction. Oh. Wow. But yeah, love you. Love everybody on there. Um, hopefully we'll be able to get Monimoto one time on there and we'll have a threesome. Yes, we'll get it going. That's right. Kids, whatever we said on the show, I know we were all over the map and I know we talked about everything under the sun, maybe two suns if you're on Tatooine. There you go. <laughs> but just remember, at the end of the day, it's just fiction. Just fiction. Don't, don't, please don't. I'd like to begin with a fact, whether in a small town like McAllen and the Rio Grande, or in Chicago, New York, or Los Angeles, it is business, big business.